0: Hi guys, welcome back to Wilds Crew Stories. I'm Craig,
1: and I'm Carolina.
0: Uh, as you guys all know, this is a podcast series co- covering wildlife, conservation, and photography as a whole, along with a couple of cool stories in between.
1: Some pretty cool stories. From pretty the bush. cool
0: stories. Pretty cool. So I think we're getting this introduction. It's flowing. It's, it's flowing. we <laughs> yeah, we had to do it about three times over this
1: morning. Craig was annoyed. Well, got it. Craig was annoyed because I had to check my computer, and then he felt like we lost the flow. We
0: just Lost the flow, but yeah. I mean, we're there now, and we're going. <laughs> so guys today we're going to actually touch on a bit of a sensitive topic um it's quite a controversial one so please bear with us um but before we get to that topic there's a video on instagram at the moment that has actually gone or instagram facebook just say social media uh that has gone viral um all over various platforms and it's I've been getting a lot of questions about it. So in the video, there first of all, the video is taken in Ngorogoza National Park in uh, Mozambique. Uh, It's a national park that was rewilded quite a few years ago because due to a civil war and civil unrest in Mozambique in the 80s and early 90s, um, all the game was kind of wiped out. So it's been taken over by private organizations and they're working together with the government and they're trying to rewild um, the Ngorongosa National Park. So what's happened is they've had to bring in various species, um, over Ngorongosa, uh, to Ngorongosa from all different national parks across the continent. Um, and in this video, sorry, it's taken me really long to get to what's in the video, <laughs> but it's worth it guys. I promise. So in the video, there is a female leopard and she's collared uh, so, she's collared from a research point of view because she was she was actually a prob- problem animal in uh, Mpumalanga um, province in South Africa.
1: You're derailing a lot now, oh, right? get sorry, to Get sorry. to the video okay. and then explain. Then we'll those talk details. about
0: that once we got to the video. So, it's a female leopard that is courting a male lion. So, by courting, I'm meaning presenting herself to want to mate. Now, this, from an animal behaviorist point of view, this blew my mind. So, it's ha- happened on two different occasions. One in August and one in October. There's been two different sightings of this. Same female, same of lions, because obviously they're territorial animals, they stick within the areas, but completely different species of cat. So it's an incredible sighting, first time that it's ever been recorded, ever been documented, and people are going mental over it. Um, so just my take on, I've got a lot of questions coming from Instagram, from social media, just asking me what do I think is actually happening. And the answer is, I actually have no cooking clue. Um, We can't really know exactly what's happening. I reached out to a couple of experts, um, Olivia Stewart, who works with the uh, EWT, the uh, Endangered Wildlife Trust. Um, And I reached out with a couple of guides as well. And just kind of see if we could get something that we thought might be um, what is actually happening in the sighting. And, um, so the first thoughts were like, nah, these are, these are captive animals that maybe grew up next to each other in different enclosures and they've been released. So that's your first thought It's like, nah, this is not a real video. This is animals that have grown up since they were babies or since they were cubs. And they, it's kind of sort of in a natural, like
1: it, it's not a natural scenario. Yeah. They saying. thought it was
0: a fake scenario. Mm. And then I was like, Ooh, okay. Interesting. But then did some research, followed up with the EWT, then Deja Wildlife Trust and kind of said. Uh, they were like, no, this is legit. They contacted us. Ngorongosa National Park contacted us at EWT. So we were like, wow, this is this is amazing. Now, these are two very wild animals. So the story behind the leopard is the leopards that were populated, that have repopulated the Ngorongosa National Park were problem animals in Mpumalanga province in South Africa. By problem animals, I mean they're on the farmlands and they're killing livestock. So they took leopard darted them and translocated them into a different province. Uh, Oh no, sorry, different reserve where they would be safe and they could kind of live on their own because otherwise farmers in South Africa would shoot them. Um, The lions, I still haven't got a clear-cut answer yet where the lions came from. But now getting to the point of the story is, this is shocking. Um, And the only real reason with them now realizing that they're both completely wild animals is that on the farmlands from this leopard point of view, she didn't have too many interactions with lions. She must know there's an instinct. uh, There's an instinctive behavior there that is, knows that lions are not good things, but the will to reproduce, it's what that animal's there to do overpowers that. Would you not agree? Yeah, Yeah. And, and, I think what's happening there is she hasn't had enough negative encounters with lions um, for her to know that this is something that'll kill her and I don't think the lions have had enough in interaction with leopard over the years where I think there's that's where I think the gap comes because it wasn't just once off it was two different occasions so we think what's happened now is what your next question might be is like oh well will not you just find a leopard Ngorongosa National Park has a very, very, very low leopard population. So she might be actually struggling to find a male leopard to mate with. And this is the closest actual predator that she could find, or the closest cat she could find. It's an amazing video, guys. It really is mind-blowing. It shows you the extent these cats will actually go to um, to find a mate. Um, that
1: instinct to reproduce. Yes,
0: and just shows you how, how it is an actual fact of... Something that drives them so hard that they you take that will away from them and they they don't really know what to do They'll go to great lengths to create life to push their gene out into the world
1: So my thought when I saw this video uh, Was I think I asked you as well, but I'll ask you again. My first thought was okay. Is she maybe not? trying to like distract the lion or you know mm. is this like not a survival mm. technique because we've seen it before of videos of leopard that have ended up in a situation where they're kind of surrounded by lions and we've seen videos of a you know a leopard in the middle of a pride of lions and they're mm. all kind of just sleeping like the lions aren't actually doing anything with this leopard <laughs> yeah. and this leopard is, is displaying quite playful behavior of like lying upside down and like kind of you know playful and all that to kind of distract them from the fact that they're actually competitors, yeah. and then when once it gets a chance, when the lions aren't really, uh, you know, that um, it
0: makes a break for it. Yeah, yeah, when
1: once it gets a chance, it gets a it makes a break for it. Wouldn't that be also a possibility? Definitely. But I guess now it's been happening twice. So, so. I,
0: you cannot, you, yeah, it's happened on two different occasions where the leopard is actually kind of, from what the guides have said uh, in the national park itself, they've said this leopard has. Seeked mm. These lines. It has looked for This This The smell It has tracked This this pride down Because that's what happens When a female comes into Estrus She goes purely on scent mm. So she smells where a male is And goes and follows that scent Until so she can And, and they'll, they'll They'll do crazy things Like I've seen Female leopards That are not in Each other's territories uh, Or in their own territories Mating With a male leopard There were two different females From two different parts Of the reserve And Um, the male leopard happened to be in a third female's territory. And these two females came into this third female's territory without the third female being around and were actually mating with this male. They were tolerating each other just so they could mate with this male. Whereas they're incredibly solitary uh, predators, uh, at least in this continent. And they very, very solitary. And the fact that they were tolerating each other, just using this male to mate, and then a day later, they went into their... Back into their own territory, so that it does it speaks volumes of the lengths these predators will go in order to reproduce.
1: Yeah, so that's quite interesting. So then, it, to answer my question, there it wasn't a situation where she just ended up by these, mm. like with this pride of lions, no. or like oh, this male happened to be close to her cubs, and yeah. she's trying to like seduce him to get him away or lead him off. Like it was actually she was seek, actively seeking, seeking them out. out.
0: Um, yeah, it, the, the thing is with the cubs is that was also another question I got uh, mm. on Instagram as well was but don't you think she could be doing this to distract this pride from the den side Mm. you would definitely see suckle marks on this female Mm. um uh, cubs that are that young they're definitely still nursing and if you zoomed in it wasn't the greatest of video but from what i could see definitely no no suckle marks on this female so i mean just an incredibly interesting sighting and happening um that Again, I say it shows you just to what length these predators will go to to reproduce.
1: Yeah, incredible. I'll link the video below, uh, yeah. you know, to the Instagram the Instagram account that that posted it. Uh mm. to, to see. I'm sure we can see it on Ngorgo. Go- go- it's so- on Angor-
0: it's actually on their Facebook page, uh on Ngorangoza uh, national parks Facebook page. And that's the only video that's the only place I've seen it, but maybe they, they've got it on their Instagram page as well. And then we can just share the link uh in this podcast episode below because it is it is um, amazing and then there's photos of this female as the pride is moving on following the pride um, for a long period of time
1: very very interesting and you think so it's, we've been talking a lot about you know what why she is doing this obviously being the more low-ranked predator that would usually run away from lions mm. but you, you touched a little bit on it but why why do you think that the lions didn't do anything to her um, was it because she didn't, wasn't displaying any threats or anything and they just kind of like, okay, whatever? Or I, th- I think,
0: yeah, look, again, we can only, we can only speculate and um, take m- or make educated guesses on this topic. And I think uh, from my point of view is why the lions didn't attack her is they haven't had enough interaction with Leopard mm. uh, in their lifetime. Um, again, and that I can't tell you exactly why because I don't know where those lions came from. Number one, she definitely wasn't um, displaying threat. Because well, she wasn't being a threat, she was trying to mate with the male um where there were actually a couple of females around as well, and they also just let this uh this walls through to the male and try and mate with them i but again, the only logical um, uh explanation that makes sense to me is that they haven't had a lot of interaction with leopard um and you know it it's amazing how a lot of people just assume that, oh no, a leopard must not like, a, le- a lion must not like a leopard. Well, if they don't know what a leopard is, um, instincts say, like, this male didn't end up mating with it, no matter how much she presented. Like, something just felt off. But it was kind of marginal as to like, oh, what is this thing? I know it's, it's definitely a cat. It's definitely something I can kind of play with or something. It's 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 almost like a, they know it's part, but they don't quite get it just yet, you know. And I think the only logical explanation is those lions have not had a lot of interaction with leopard. Um, it could have actually been their first interaction with leopard. Um, you know, we know there's so many reserves all over the, over the place where leopard don't occur commonly. They're everywhere, but they don't occur commonly. And we, that pride could have potentially come from one of those reserves.
1: Very very interesting, yeah. But thank you for yeah the explanation and and interesting thoughts on that that video. That's a very fascinating video, and mm. I hope we will be able to find out more information as research go on because that's such a interesting behavior that I haven't seen before.
0: <laughs> Even the experts like can't explain it. Like, yeah. The endangered wildlife trust, um, you know the the predator experts out there can't. like guys that have been in the field for thirty, forty years can't explain what's happening. It's the first time it's been documented. So I think it's like quite a nice thing to talk about. And if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Fascinating. Well, to move on to our topic of the episode, you gave a nice little cliffhanger in the beginning there. Yeah, uh, You just said controversial topic, but now let's talk about this video, uh, which was also very interesting. But uh, we have been thinking about, I think this has been on our list since we started the podcast a Definitely. year and a half ago, Definitely. but we, uh, it's been, been one of those topics that we've kind of put off because we know there can be like, sensitivities around this, but at the same time, it is also something that we, we feel is very, very, very important to talk about mm-hmm. because we know that a lot of people out there have no, about, no idea about this issue and that it's something that's so important to educate people on. I can speak from personal experience that before I came to South Africa, I had no clue, no uh- clue that this was something you should look out for.
0: Yeah, I think also before we get into the topic, um I would just like to know I'd just like to tell everyone, we're definitely in this episode not going to be mentioning properties, names, um, people's names, owners' names, or anything like that. It's we like I said, a very controversial topic and um a topic that has a lot of loopholes to a legal system in mm. South Africa. Um so yeah, uh I think should we open and tell everyone what yeah, topic Yeah, now we like, people are like, what,
1: what are we talking about?
0: So we're going to talk about um, uh, captive animals and rehabilitation centres um, today.
1: Quite specifically, lion petting.
0: And, yes, the and... animal interactive mm. uh, centres um, where you can play and cuddle and pay money to do this. And yeah, I think um again now everyone i can guarantee you everyone out there is going oh wow this is a controversial topic how are they going to handle this and i think you know no matter what name you're going by whether it's wildlife sanctuary or zoo or um wildlife center or rehabilitation center they're all kind of along the same lines. Some are better than
1: others. Yeah, I think we want to start with that because I do know why this becomes a controversial topic is because I know that there's a lot of good ones out there. Yes. And there's a lot of people who know these good ones and have messaged me before when I've when I've dipped my toe into this topic before Um. I've gotten a lot of messages from people being like you know but there is good zoos out there that do really good things and that are ethical and and yes I'm not going to argue with that because I honestly don't know enough about the topics of the good ones and and, you know and I've heard there's really good ones I think we both I'm speaking for both of us here but we've heard there's really good ones out there but we also know firsthand of really bad ones and I think all we want to talk about today is the the bad ones and what to look out for and why it's very important to know that these exist and what happens there and be very careful when you choose to support a, a, a establishment that calls themselves a, a sanctuary or rehabilitation center and all those kind of things and we try we want to try to educate people on what to look out for and so before anyone comes into our dms and say there is really good ones out there and they do this and this and this we know we know know there's good ones uh, but that's not the topic of today
0: yeah don't come at us and say we were completely one-sided we know there's good ones we know there is good ones because i know a lot of our listeners have been volunteers before or are going to do a volunteer internship somewhere and we just think it's very important for people to know um how to differentiate mm. between the good and the bad and sometimes it's really really difficult um because a lot of people would say oh but this place wouldn't be here if um if it wasn't legal mm. if it wasn't ethical no there's a lot of loopholes to the legal system on owning um owning wild animals as pets essentially and how you can orchestrate yourself as a rehabilitation center or a wildlife sanctuary or a wildlife holding center. There's a lot of loopholes in our legal system to to do that. Mm. Um, I mean, there's, there's places in Johannesburg, like in the city, like in gardens that are calling themselves sanctuaries. I mean, come on. Mm. Um,
1: And I think why we we find that it's important to talk about this is because, like I mentioned, coming firsthand from from Europe, I had no idea. And I was actually, to be completely honest, I was very, very close to booking one of these places uh, that I then later on I didn't I didn't end up booking it because I wasn't too keen on like the whole idea and I ended up booking a horse uh, safari thing but I remember looking at it and I remember mm. reading about it and considering it but then I just kind of didn't go for it which I'm very happy that I didn't but because
0: we would never have met yes that's true <laughs> we would
1: never have met but I think obviously I would have had a very different different path coming to south africa I as understand. well but as, then when I arrived to south africa uh you know, on, on said uh, trip, I found out about this and this was a topic that they were talking about and educating us about as volunteers at this horse safari. They told us about about these places and how they use volunteers as part of this, like, business that has a lot of different steps and that's what we're going to get into now. But, and I was like, wow, I had no clue and I think that's the thing. It's so easy to not have a single clue about these things. And I don't want to condemn anyone who have booked these things. Because I think if you, if you don't know, you just simply don't know. And I think that's why you I want to... You can't wanna, blame people. You can't blame people for not knowing. And, and we just want to, you know, encourage people to do their research.
0: It's basically like people... I could, the way I can put it on um, or put it Sorry to interrupt you. But no, no Like ahead. the way you can... The, it's almost the equivalent of being scammed. Yeah. Through your bank account or something like that, you don't know until you know, mm. uh, because a lot of people, you know, they they want to believe the best in people in South Africa, um, or in the world. You know, a lot of people think, oh no, they're doing this from a from a great point of view, and this is this is going to be amazing. But but it's actually, they are being scammed. They're being told something that is actually not happening there. And again, I'm gonna say you're gonna hear me say this a lot over this episode. It's not all the places, no. but some of them. Are really really bad.
1: So to start with that example of um you know specifically we're talking quite specifically about the lion uh, interaction here because mm. I think that's the biggest from what I've understood. It's just like big
0: cat. Big cats big cat in cat general yeah. and
1: and um. Something that is a, a big problem, and you know, a lot of people will talk about when it comes to big cat conservation and specifically lion con- conservation is if you look at all the stats, there will be uh, stats about captive lions and wild lions. Mm. And obviously, wild lions are the ones we have in Kruger and you know, in these reserves and that live completely wild and uh, you know, beautiful lives in, in their natural habitat. But then you obviously have captive li- captive lions in like zoos and animal parks, and again. Some of those zoos are ethical and, you know, have rescued lions and so on from like a circus or whatever it might be. Uh, so those are obviously captive lions. But then you also have a big part of those captive like, uh, captive population of lions are actually lions who are being sold off for canned hunting, as it's Correct. called. And canned hunting is a very unethical way of hunting. It's, it's a way of hunting where the animal literally has... No chance to get away from you, and that is the definition of of canned hunting. It's,
0: it's the saddest thing to see I mean they put this they put this thing often drugged into a small holding kind of facility um bring the hunter out and while the thing's still wobbly, I mean this is a tiny enclosure, and they shoot the lion um and they the it it looks natural enough for the hunter to pose over it and kind of go um, I shot a lion, but it was in it." tiny enclosure um mm. and that's that, that's what those
1: yeah and those lines are, are bred to be, to be shot eventually and this is a full-on uh, like circle so mm. so how this works and and uh please interrupt me if i'm wrong and correct me if i'm wrong here craig but the way i've understood it is how this works is that they first of all have young cubs and uh, mm. that uh, they you know are trying to raise and so on. And they, be, they get taken away from their mon- mother from a very, very young age. And this is where the volunteers come in. So this mm. is where uh, these companies will advertise that they are a rehabilitation center and they will make up a story about how these baby lions, and it's not always lions, it's as you were saying, big cats Ti- uh, Lions,
0: tigers, leopards.
1: Yeah, Cheetah. even hyena sometimes. Hyenas sometimes,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, you know how they've lost their mother and how we need to rehabilitate them. And these uh, volunteers will come over and they will be spending, uh, you know, their days feeding these uh, little cute animals and well, cuddling with them. Cups. Yeah, cuddling them and bottle feeding them, feeding them, and that's all cute and great. And then eventually these lions get too big to be bottle fed and cuddled by volunteers. So then they'll be taken on to the next step. The volunteers get told that uh, these lions are now going to be rehabilitated and they're going to be let out in the wild. So
0: Sorry, can I interrupt you for Mm -hmm. one second? So the the volunteers are being told, and this happens at all of them, they say they are being rewilded. So this is the process of rewilding the genetics and the natural pool of genetics in the wild dynamics of lions are men. Yes, that is true. But rewilding uh, a captive lion is probably one of the most difficult animals to rewild in and the world.
1: Especially if it's been bottle fed by a human. By a
0: human its whole life. I mean, it, it is... It is. I wouldn't say it's impossible. Nothing's impossible, but it's close to impossible. They are the very, really are lions rewilded. It happens. It can happen, but the amount of centers that are saying their lions are going to be rewilded compared to how many lions can actually be rewilded, there's the issue. Lions and, are a difficult animal to rewild.
1: And that's the first like red flag that I would say. Yes. You know, look out for like if if these animals are being cuddled and get to you know meet humans especially like different humans when it's not just one caretaker that is like responsible for this one animal Mm. and there's different like humans or even people paying to come and and cuddle with these lions every day that is a big sign that these animals will not be able to be uh, released back into the wild and so that's the first step. Then these, um, these lions are now too big to be cuddled, cuddled and whatever. And then often they will go on to the next step will be like walking with lions when they're like sub-adults. So, um,
0: yeah. So then you'll be
1: walking with lions and you'll have that type of uh, like tourists uh, and the money-making scheme where again, you're making money because also, sorry, I forgot to mention, these volunteers, they don't come and volunteer for free. They pay to volunteer. That's
0: an interesting take on volunteering. South Africa does have a very interesting take because volunteer, you kind of think, your free help, yeah, but you must pay to go. <laughs> yeah,
1: and that's how most volunteer places work, and it's the even the good volunteer places you do often no, pay of course, to of stay there. Um, so like, don't that wouldn't be a red flag, I would say, but no. but in this situation, it's quite funny. But anyway, not funny. It's it's um anyway. So then the next step is tourists coming in to walk with these lions, and oh wow, cool! I get to walk with a lion. This is such a cool experience, and they, this is usually when they like sub adults. And um, then eventually they become too big to walk with as well, and this is when they get put into the next step uh, where they get put into a very small enclosure, often uh, fed up quite a lot so that they become big yeah. and so that their fur is nice and they you know have a beautiful especially if it's a male line, beautiful mane and all of those kind of things so this will be the stage where they that happens, and then someone will be purchasing these lines from. Uh, online and come over from overseas to be like, okay, this is the lion I want to shoot. This is the mm. one I'm picking. And once they have someone confirmed who's paid for this lion, this is when they start starving the lion. And they starve them uh, and you know, not give them enough food and these lions get hungry and start starving. They then get put out into the enclosure and get fed from the same vehicle uh, every single day. So they start associating this vehicle with food. Then eventually this hunter comes on the same, very same vehicle drives out into the enclosure and the lion will come running because it thinks it gets food and the hunter shoots it. And that's the end of its life. But what then happens, obviously the uh, hunter here also pays a lot of money for this lion. And then the next step is that these bones get sold to Asia for, uh, for the lion bone trade. Mm. So you have like five different steps here where these companies or whatever you want to call them, establishments, make money from scamming people in all these different ways and all, you know, profiting Mm. off this one animal.
0: So, 100%, Carolina, was 100% on all those steps. Um, And I would like to add that four out of those five steps are legal in South Africa. No legal. I know, crazy to think about, but no one is going to jail for that, which is a massive, massive, massive problem. Uh don't worry, it's a working progress. There are conservation organizations um that are working towards that um the one out of the five that is illegal is the lion bone trade. that is one of the illegal mm. um but the other four
1: cutting c- lions canned hunting is like
0: illegal uh canned hunting is illegal yeah. but again there's a loophole there. what defines canned hunting? Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Certain sizes, certain things that I'm not going to get into because I don't actually have the facts. Mm. Um, but wrong, immoral, finish, end of story. Now, why is this... How can we How can we help? How can we look at properties that are doing good things? How do you differentiate between properties that are doing bad things? And uh, I'm going to talk about different species now. Um, lions are obviously number one. Those are the ones that everyone generally cuddles and then get... They go walking with, and are there properties that that you can go walk with lions that are ethical? Um, possibly, yes, they are. I'm not saying it's all properties. Again, I'm saying that it's not everywhere in Africa. So this doesn't happen everywhere, but there's a lot of them that are unethical. Um, the I'm going to talk about cheetah for a for a for a short period. Um, it is a big cat. They do have them at various petting establishments or these rehabilitation centers or wildlife sanctuaries, so to speak. Um, How you can tell good and bad with regards to cheetah conservation and the cheetah petting is wild cheetah, rewilding cheetah, sorry. It's the easiest predator to rewild. Um, Keeping them captive and then setting them off into the wild, it's one of the easiest species to rewild. They are very very durable with regards to picking up hunting instincts.
1: Can I, sorry, can I ask there? Am I right by saying that they very easily can pit, pick up hunting instincts without their mom having exactly. showed them?
0: 100%. A lot of these places also do cheetah exercises where they've got them on a runner to kind of have this false prey running while they're teaching them. And this is also because cheetah are one of the most endangered predators in the world. Rewilding cheetah is a very, very important part of conservation at the moment. Because the genetic pool has shrunk dramatically across Africa. And we're needing these genes. So we're needing to take captive cheetahs' genes to, re, to diversify the genetic pool in um, other countries or in other parts of South Africa. What conservationists have run into the issues in earlier years or previous years is getting close to these animals. Um, if you can't get by a vehicle, they didn't like being on foot. So what they said is like, let's habituate them on foot. Because basically what happens is you need to move a cheetah now. Oh, the animal gets scared, runs away, disappears for seven days. You can't find it. Project goes put on hold. Oh, we need to get close to these animals to dart them and move them. Uh, Again, all in the name of conservation. And so they started to get them used to people on foot. So that's why a lot of places actually do walking with cheetah. Um, Now it's to get them used to people. So when they need, when the cubs need to get moved to another reserve, when they're old enough, obviously, they can hunt for themselves and get moved to another reserve from a genetic point of view because we all know interbreeding is a bad thing and it's a recipe for disaster. So diver- diversifying those genetics in a specific area, we need to make it quick, easy, and as less stressful on the animal as possible. And if the animal is comfortable with you walking, now I'm not saying walking on top of this animal, but walking close enough to it that your dart is not going to miss when you're tranquilizing this animal there you go it's not stressful goes to sleep gets put into a um, a crate gets headed off to its new home no harm no foul when you're chasing cheetah and they're running away that animal gets stressed can get injured you know so it's it it was all for the benefit of the species
1: so this is where sorry just to kind of explain what you what you're talking about a little bit here because Mm. this is where you're saying that you know Walking with cheetah is a very, very different thing from yes. walking to lions. And mm. why habituating cheetah is also, as you say, important for conservation. And that's why you're able to, at some certain properties, walk on foot with cheetah because they are used to humans. Yeah. It's not that they are you know, being petted and whatever. It's that they are comfortable mm. with humans being close. And 100%. they also don't face, cheetah don't face a threat to us yeah. on foot.
0: Also, if you want to look at 100%, everything you said is valid, but you also want to look, can you rewild cheetah? Is it easy to rewild cheetah? Let's not classify it as easy, but they're definitely an animal that is from a, from captive to wild. You can rewild those animals. You can put them in a boma and get them used to lions being around, stuff like that. Lions, rewilding lions, difficult. Very difficult predator to rewild. If we're going to move genetics of lions from reserve, you're going to have to do that with wild lion populations to diversify genetics, in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying rewilding lions is impossible, again, but it's very, very, very difficult.
1: So you're saying that, you know, if a cheetah has had uh, close encounters with humans and been, been you know, a, a, a habituated humans mm. and close from a young age... It's still able to go out in the wild and hunt for itself and be a completely wild animal. Yes. While lions, that's not the case. It's
0: easier to be taught mm. to, to teach that animal. No, um, lions, just it's it's not again not impossible, but very difficult to rewild a lion. So, folks, the reason I was chatting a little bit about uh, about cheetah is because a lot of reserves do walk with cheetah, and that's the reason they do it is because they never know they'll be under a um, under an, uh, a a conservation flag. Where they can get called at times, where certain conservation organisations are working with them, and need might need to swap cheetah out to keep that genetic pool fresh. So it is, um, it is, I wouldn't say common, but it does happen at reserves where uh, cheetah are walked with. Um, so if we're moving towards red flags for reserve, does it? It's not necessarily a res a red flag. Um, personal opinions aside on anything it, from a conservation point of view it's not necessarily a red flag it's an habituation process
1: mm. and I think that's the most important thing here is to mention that uh, these reserves are usually closed uh, ecosystems yeah. so like this is not something that happens in Kruger for example yeah you can't
0: just get out your car anywhere to walk with Cheetah these reserves will while you're in a private reserve they'll say hey listen we do walk with our Cheetah these are the reasons why mm-hmm. and All of the reasons will indicate from a conservation point of view. Uh, You need to get closer to them, you need to do this. Um, and that, and all sorts of other things. And I
1: think it's important to remember here because we got, as you say, we're going to move into a little bit of red flags. And I think why we just want to mention the difference between like cheetah and lions is because uh, there is, you know, reserves that do this. And and if we just say all big cats and put a blanket on it, then yeah. people are going to be like, oh, shit, these reserves are hunting these cheetah, uh, which is not the case. That's no. not what's really happening. But mm-hmm. a big difference I think is also important for people to remember is that uh, cheetah do not you know, pose a threat on humans on foot. Uh, a lion can. Yeah. And that's where I personally wouldn't trust. I know there's places that do it that might be ethical and that maybe don't do hunting and stuff. Like we said, not all places not all are bad. Places, yeah. But I personally would not take the risk of go walking with lions because I do not trust lions.
0: Well, like whether people want to fight the case or not, a lot of these establishments, people have been killed. Mm. Um, people have been killed by the lions. These lions that see people every single day. And I'll tell you exactly why. It's because captive lions associate their food with people. While you are safer walking in the Kruger National Park than you are walking in one of these lion breeding centers or lion sanctuaries because there is zero food association with you to a lion in the Kruger National Park, um, Maremi, Okavango Delta, Tanzania, wherever you want to go. One of these natural ecosystems. there they don't associate you with food. But, where do they get fed in these sanctuaries? They get fed by people. That's why. One day, someone will walk into this enclosure, not carrying food, going, ooh, Lion will look at you go, oh, this thing normally brings you food. But today, it doesn't look like maybe he is the food. Bang. There you go. And that's, that's, that, that that's what happens. And people get killed at these, um, at these places. And, the owners of these establishments try and try and try to justify it. But, they put a lot of people's lives at risk.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, it sounds really, really harsh the way we're talking about this, but it, it, I feel like it is important to talk about and, and mention I do, and I know that I'm going to get messages. <laughs> um, but, but that's fine. You can message me, and you can if you want to open a discussion about this, you, you, you might have different experiences, and that, that's great. But I personally do not trust walking with lions because of the things that I know can happen. Same thing with Leopard. I do not trust a flippant leopard. Mm. They're too opportunistic and they would, you know, the risk of them seeing us as a potential prey is too big. I do not trust a leopard. Then, as we said, cheetah, different thing because cheetah is so far down on the predator chain, the chain that, it, that it doesn't pose a threat to us. Uh, same thing with wild dogs. Uh, you know, in like monopools, for example, people might have seen uh, videos or photos of people getting quite close to wild dogs on foot. It's the same thing. Wild mm. dogs... Don't wouldn't like hunt a human, you know. that wouldn't really. It's not part of their like instinct, um. So wild dogs again, also very low down on the on the predator chain. They yeah, if they get comfortable enough with you, you can get close with, uh, on foot with them, uh, And that's the thing. There's a big difference there. What I do want to say though yeah uh, is that I have a very big problem with people, even if you're doing it in an ethical way. Even if everything that you're doing is right and you are walking with cheetah that are comfortable with humans and you have done it in an ethical way and all that, I have a big issue with people posting about it on social media. Same thing uh, with people cuddling lions and all that. No matter how ethical it might be, which I usually don't think it is, but mm, that's a different discussion that we've just had. But I do not think that that is right, uh, to post videos of animals interacting with humans on social media, especially in today's day and age where things go viral like that. Yeah, And even if you are posting a video where you know and you write all the explanations about why you can get close to this cheetah and why you can do this and this and this, people who see this video might not read what you've been writing and explaining what's happening. People yeah. will see it two seconds and they'll be like, oh, a person oh, yeah. cuddling cheetah. And for them, the line or the step between seeing a video of someone being close to a cheetah, that's the step from seeing that to them going and cuddling a lion at a so-called sanctuary mm-hmm. is not very far. Or thinking that it's okay to have air like a lion as a pet as an exotic pet that that line between there is very very thin Mm. and we know that the cheetah part is being ethical and it's done in the correct way but you posting that on social media creates the wrong picture and it paints paints the wrong picture and it creates a demand for something that then you know that ripple effect is Mm. very very bad
0: I think I think you're you're absolutely right, and I think we we're, we're gonna chat a little bit now about red flags, um, uh, in these establishments. Um, and I think you know there's there's a couple that you really need to all look out for because I'm sure a lot of you guys are wondering like, okay, how do we, how do we differentiate between good and bad? It is very difficult. Mm. It's really really difficult because you do want to support the properties that are good, um, because a lot of them only rely on uh, on volunteers and uh, and guests. So message me if you're looking for a couple of names, happy to share them with you. Um, because I know if I say them, you're going to have, con- there's going to be, there's going to turn into a whole controversial debate. <laughs> you're going to say, oh no, not that one, this one. No. So message me and I'll give you my own opinion on which properties I think do, uh, do things ethically. Um, but a couple of red flags is enclosure size. Um, that's one red flag. You know, how big this enclosure is and how many animals are in it. Um, that's a big one. Um, breeding. Uh, I go back to lions. We've spoken a lot about lions. Are they breeding lions? Um, breeding lions. Why are you breeding lions? Um, how? What's the point? What's the function? They're breeding lions so they can have their guests play with them and then they can be sent off. You know, at least they have a specific reason to be breeding lions. They should not be breeding lions.
1: And if they are, are those lions being... You know...
0: What's going? What's happening to the Cubs? Yeah,
1: like are they being you know sheltered away from any guests in public yes. because they are supposed to go or back into the wild? Being paraded, or are they being paraded? That's
0: the thing. There's it? a big
1: difference there. So
0: um, find out if they're breeding. What what's happening to them? Because like I've said to you, rewilding lines is difficult, incredibly difficult. And um, uh, if they're not breeding, it's a very good sign. It's a very very good sign that they've taken cats that could potentially have been injured in the wild. That's another reason why they would bring these cats in, um, giving them kind of a chance at maybe just living a normal life. It has happened in some instances where they're like, okay, cool, let's send this animal. Been, it was a leopard that was caught in a snare, had three legs, and they were like, oh, it can't live in the wild anymore. They tried, they brought it to a rehabilitation center. Um, it was fine. It was great. But it just later on, after a couple of months, it just didn't seem happy. Because it wasn't wild anymore, it didn't it was in a nice, big, sizable enclosure, and they actually put the animal out of its misery um, because it was just stressed and unhappy. They gave it a chance. They tried; it would never have survived in the wild with three legs, absolutely. Um, and well, there could have been a chance, but it, not getting into those details. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, they took it, and it wasn't happy and shame. So they ended up euthanizing it because it just wasn't happy, uh, a lot under a lot of stress. So yeah, that, that's kind of stuff that um, rehabilitation centers can do, um, taking injured animals in and details. That's another flag you need to look out for and it can determine whether it's red or green is details on what exactly happened to that animal. Your guide goes, oh yeah, no, no, yeah, this one was poached and unsuccessfully. Okay, what were the details? What happened? How did it get here? Because the guides need to be, that if it's guides, if it's tour leaders, if it's volunteers, they need to be up to date with exactly what happened. Why is that animal there? And the places that are good, because they will be able to tell you exactly why those animals are there. And mm-hmm. that's how you differentiate between a good and a bad one. Um, a third uh, red flag is environment for the animal. Um, what's the environment? Is it concrete floor-like? Does Does this look like an artificial ecosystem that this animal would look in live in that's what needs to be it needs to be like that they need to put in maximum amount of effort to have this animal live in a replicated environment that it wouldn't the vi- in the wild and there needs to be a place where it can go away so it's not constantly on display where it can go into a corner and no one can see it that is also another green flag for me, if it's tiny and this animal just can't get away, and the last one that I look for is pacing of a fence line. Is pacing walking up and down a fence line is an immediate indication that an animal is stressed. I'm not. Well, I'm not saying like if it's on a reserve or something and it just happens to be walking down a fence line. I'm talking about pacing up and down. Any animal I've seen lions do it. Uh, I've seen cheetah do it. Even um, horses. Even and you know horses better than yeah, me, is that even, a sign? Yeah, is that a sign of stress? 100%. You see, it's a sign of stress and anxiety for the animal, pacing up and down a fence line. So those are just a few small things that you guys can look at and actually point out and say, hey, listen, this thing's pacing up and down this fence line. This thing's not happy. What? What's going on? You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's that. just from my personal opinion, a few things that I look at um, from how we can differentiate differentiate good establishments and bad establishments.
1: I would also say, like, you know, back to the whole the petting thing, and, like, if there, as we said, if there is young, uh, are they, like, you know, if, if they give you the story, okay, these cubs lost their mom to uh, something else, killed it uh, in the wild, or mm. she was poached or whatever, and these babies would have died in the wild, so now we are raising them. Okay, so if that is the case, if that is the true story, and you're wanting to rewild these cubs they should be sheltered away from any type of public display or petting or interaction with humans. They yeah. should have one caretaker that maybe has to bottle feed them. Yes. And, and they have to, should have just one person that is responsible and only has this direct interaction with these animals and they shouldn't have any type of uh, exposure to humans otherwise, because that is the only way you will have any chance of, of releasing them back into the wild. So those are the kind of things you also need to look out for. If this is the story, then that's not how you do
0: it. Cause let's think logically here. Um, you have three lion cubs that they've like, Oh no, we are rewilding them. Okay. Fantastic. Um life goes on, they go through this process, they get released into the wild, but they've had human interaction, they've had this whole process happen to them, they've had been bottle fed by humans, they've been interacted with by humans when they got older cousins, and they've been walked with humans. They associate humans with everything that's good in life or that that they're part of life. So now someone they've been released into the wild, what happens when they're in the wild and they see a human? They come running straight to that human because they, they, that's been a massive part of their life. So that's what I'm cur- encouraging you guys to think about is that story doesn't add up. It mm. doesn't make sense. This, they, they will immediately just start coming towards a human because humans have been such a big part of their life. Whereas what Carolina was saying is if they're sheltered from a, from a young age and kept away, um, they don't develop that association with multiple different humans. They had one caretaker, limited interaction, and then they can be released back into the wild. But again, going back to what I said so many times, rewilding a lion is difficult.
1: But even, you know, actually not talking just about, uh, not talking about just big cats and stuff, I think in general, I I feel interactions with humans is a very, um, for me, that's a big no-no in -hmm. general. Um, But you know, even talking about we visited the Rhino Orphanage mm. uh, a while back, a couple of months back. And it uh, was an incredible experience. And what they do, they are one of those places that are really doing incredible work. Yeah. And we'll one of the, name that property. <laughs> 100%, we'll name them. Um, but one of the big things that I, uh, you know, really liked when we got there yeah. was that they were like, no, we don't let like just anyone into the enclosure with the young uh, rhinos.
0: Yeah. Even us qualified guides, qualified conservationists. No.
1: Yeah. They were like, no, you can stand behind this fence and, uh, you know, that's kind of it. We don't, uh, we, uh, for, for them, it was different reasons though, because Mm. they didn't want the rhinos to get to connected to people Mm. who then come and go. Uh, And they have volunteers coming to help out there. But even the volunteers who are sometimes there for a couple of months, don't get to interact with the young rhinos. Uh, only the full-time employees do that because they don't want the rhinos to get a connection with people and then these people just come and leave. Um, so, you know, that was a big thing and I think that's a really good policy to have and it was something that really, st- I was like, see, this is, this is a green flag. This is why we know what mm. you guys are doing is ethical. Then obviously this is rhinos and it's from a completely different type of
0: well, it's also those rhinos conservation. rhinos will be rewilded. One
1: day. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But they obviously are very used to humans because they still have connections to... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but anyway. No. Yeah, go on. Uh, but this was completely different type of environment, environment, different story, and different type of conservation to the big cats that we're talking about. But I'm just saying, even with an animal like that, that doesn't like necessarily pose a threat to a human because it's too, hu- too used to humans. It obviously can pose a threat to humans in other circumstances, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, even then, it's important to have that separation and uh, have, ethics, have ethics. those ethics down of like, they're not just here to be cuddled with, they're not our pets. And that's, that's the bottom line. These are wild animals and we need to keep them wild. They're not our pets. And we, we need to have that line drawn.
0: I agree. I agree. And again, guys, what I'm going to, I think we're going to finish off on a note that is, this is not all properties.
1: Again,
0: yeah. I'm just gonna to need to finish off by saying, yes, we this like I said, we, this is a controversial topic. There are good properties, and there are bad properties, um, and it's just important to differentiate. And one last thing that you do not, as a guest or a volunteer visiting, do not feel ashamed to ask for certain animals. Where are the archives? Mm. That's also another flag, green flag. If if properties have archives on their predators, these centers, oh, this lion died at 14 years old. Yeah, she has the file on her. This is what she did. She never bred. Um, You know, just archives, files on the animals they've had for so many years. There's another green flag because then they'll have where they were sent to, why they were sent there. And you can kind of basically put everything together. Ask for the archives. It's a massive green flag. Because that's and also every property thing. should keep
1: those archives. Because that's the thing as well, okay, you are spinning the story about how you're rewilding them. Okay, show me the lines you rewilded before. Has there been success stories?, uh, you know, we also know of a place that had uh, cheetah, the same situation mm. where they weren't rewilding them properly, and they were actually selling them as exotic pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that was, that's and they were they were saying, no, we've been rewilding successfully, and when you actually started digging here, yeah, uh, this is actually a whole court court case that's going on, on this specific property, but again, I'm not going to mention names, but when they started digging. They realised there was not a single cheetah that had survived in the wild because they hadn't been raised properly.
0: Hadn't no, it wasn't that. It was they had not successfully bred because that's what cat considers is considered as a successful release.
1: Okay, yes. Is
0: did they successfully breed in the wild? Mm. And if they haven't successfully bred in the wild, it's not a successful release.
1: Um, and they hadn't had any cheetah that they had rely, uh, re- or the, rewilded the, the that the actually, raised, yeah. yeah Um, and it was because of the way that they, uh, they didn't do the whole rewilding process properly. Correct. Um, but you know, that's the thing, uh, you need to, you need to ask, where are the success stories? You say you have done this before. You say, this is what you're doing with the lions. Show me your proof. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause that's. As we say, there is good places out there that do these things and that do it properly and that have proof and they can show you this lion was released back into Kruger or this cheetah was sent to um, Kuzuru Natal or whatever it might be, you know, there there is those stories and then they will have those archives.
0: And I really take my hats off to the good places. I think they do a sterling job and a phenomenal job. And um, the bad places just give the... The the good places are bad name. Unfortunately, as well, it's all yes. Associated with everything.
1: Yeah, but uh, I think we must wrap it up there. Again, we. I know I'm gonna get messages, and it is okay. You're <laughs> more than welcome to message me. But uh, but again, there is good and bad places, and I think I just don't want to shy away from this topic anymore because we're scared of people saying coming at us about the places they've been to and starting discussions about that because I think it's so important to for people to know about these issues and that this exists because as I said in the beginning I from a personal you know from personal experience know that it's so easy to book one of these places without knowing any better And, and that's why I just wanna if I can be the person who is telling someone that you shouldn't book this because of this and this and this and who is then the reason that people don't book these places, then I want to be that person.
0: 100%. Um, So yeah, guys, if you have questions, let us know. Um, We'd be happy to answer them. Yeah. But until next time, guys, keep well and we'll see you soon.
1: Yes, see you soon.